0: Rebecca Schissel Marshall with Whole Body Upgrade, a podcast to help you get unstuck, feel better, and have more energy. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to episode 10. I'm going to start with welcoming in the directions the direction of the east and the south, the west and the north, the directions that are above and the directions that are below and the directions that are within. I welcome in all of the well ancestors and the loving, compassionate guides and beings of the light. And I'd like to also acknowledge that I'm on the land of the creek in the Cherokee in what is now known as Athens, Georgia. And today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. <laughs> When the critical mind takes over, it's actually the critical mind taking over is not my favorite topic, but the mind is. So much fun to talk about the mind. And how often do you think about the mind or the brain? Most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about their mind and their brain. I mean, all the things that we do every day are a result of what the mind does. But we don't often pay a lot of attention so they are the thoughts that we think and the actions that we're taking and the emotions that we feel it's actually it's really miraculous to me all of the things that the mind does and yet (laughs) we don't do a lot of in the same way that we don't do a lot of energy hygiene or maintenance we don't do a lot of mind maintenance So I've spent years studying the brain, Um, everything from studying working memory, attention, language, and rehabilitation to emotions and stress and how to make change in our lives. The, The brain is really fascinating, and I'm constantly amazed at what we know and also what we don't know. As a researcher, I get to see the amount of time, the years that it takes just to look at one tiny aspect of the brain, and I begin to have an appreciation then, I guess, of what we take for granted in our everyday lives. So we have all of these tasks and jobs that the brain is responsible for, and so often we think about what it does, the you know, more of the concrete pieces that we can look at, the breathing, the, the speaking that we do, the writing, the reading, or the math, or, or just driving down the road. There is so much. What I'd like to focus on today is the subtle process behind that, the thoughts that we have going on in our brain. I remember being in one of my first Buddhism retreats, and it was in Esselon. California. It was about 20 years ago. And the guide was pointing to that there are these thoughts that we have in the brain. And she was actually pointing to the fact that a lot of the thoughts can actually be quite mean. And she was encouraging us and teaching us how to look at those thoughts, how to be aware of the thoughts. I remember walking out of the hall where we were meeting. It was this beautiful place, and I'm walking the grounds, and I remember thinking, (laughs) just kind of funny, I was thinking, I don't have those thoughts. I don't, I don't know what she's talking about. So, so the mind, right, I'm thinking these thoughts about, I don't know, I don't have these thoughts, and yet I'm actually noticing them. And I'm walking around, and I hear the voice in my head, I can't remember what happened if I couldn't find my way back, or if it just came up. The voice in my head said, you are so stupid. And I stopped literally, like I didn't move another step. My jaw was hanging open. I was in a little bit of shock because there it was. I heard it, right, without even trying, without even noticing. It was one of those moments for me where it seems like the sky just opened up um, that I was, sh- I was really shocked. There was a voice in my head calling me stupid. And in that moment, I was able to disidentify with that part of me that was believing the critical voice in my head. So instead of believing that I was stupid, right, there was a part of me that could just witness I could just see the thoughts that were happening. The more practiced I became at this, the more I heard the voice more specifically, and I could notice what it was saying. And I could begin to notice when that critical voice had taken over the conversation in my head. So, you know, just to be clear That critical voice had been in my head for a very long time. It was very loud and in my life, and I just didn't notice it. It was saying things that were very supremely not kind over and over again. You know, the thoughts could range from that I wasn't very smart, I would never find a partner, I was unlovable, that I'd never have children, that my body wasn't right, that, you know, all the things that my critical mind had decided to have a running conversation about in my head. And it could be about me or it could be about what I was doing. My, my house was the wrong house. My job was the wrong job. You know, whatever. The point is, is that this conversation was happening all the time. And I didn't even notice it, right? I thought it was just something I had to believe, something I had to put up with, I thought it was me. And I also find this is true with the students that I work with, that they think that critical voice in their head is them. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's happening inside our heads, so it must be who we are. But here's the thing. Here's what I've noticed in my own experience and with all of the clients I've ever worked with it's not you my teacher one of my teachers has a name for it she calls it egocentric karmic conditioning self-hate that's a mouthful and so from her perspective she's a zen buddhist monk that This is coming from a place of ego, a place that is not who we are. It's not our true self, our capital T or capital S true self. We basically internalize these voices from external influences in our lives. Parents, teachers, bullies. And we take those voices, we take those thoughts, we take those beliefs, and we turn them into the bully in our own head. She refers to this as conditioning. So we've been conditioned to believe that those thoughts are true. That we have to believe what is being said. That you are so stupid, right? That little voice. Like, I could go with that and say, yep, yeah, it's true. I know I shouldn't have done that thing. Or the voice from a parent, you should have known better right, from our parents gets into, oh, I should have known better, right? You should have known better keeps on coming internally. When it becomes clear that a relationship isn't working, or, you know, we just cut ourselves while we're cooking in the kitchen, I should have known better. And this can be really subtle, too. Sometimes it's even beyond the thought, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but it could be a sensation in the body or an emotion that comes along. But we're going to kind of stick with talking a little bit about these thoughts. So the brain is a meaning making machine, right? This is what it's, it does. And it does it very well. It takes this information. It takes these words, the the, the words from our parents or from our friends or from the bully. And these Words then, these thoughts get turned into a beautiful or a horrible story, <laughs> depending. The possibilities are endless, right? It does an amazing job at making up this imagination of what's going to happen in the in the future or what did really happen in the past. It's kind of like one of those choose your own adventures, right? So there's the mind. It has an event or a circumstance that happens. And this is something that, you know, would be more like the fact. The fact is true that, you know, I cut my finger while I was cooking. That is true. Or, you know, maybe my mother said, you were too much, right? It's a circumstance, whether it's a phrase or it's an event. That's the a thing that really did happen. And then the mind will take that information and take it to all sorts of places, right? It can skip from being told that uh, you are too much to thinking, well, I'm too much and no one will ever love me. I'll never have a partner and I'll die alone. An old cat lady, (laughs) poor alone with without any friends, right? It can skip from one statement and make meaning about why this is such a horrible, miserable thing, right? And you might've noticed that this might be happening a lot for you. Um, I know it's happening a lot for me during the times of a global pandemic. The mind is, has a perfect opportunity to go into a lot of, oh no, let's make up a bunch of stories, right? So I've skipped from one statement or one story or one event all the way down this garden path of misery, and it almost always, if you'll notice, it almost always leads into some sort of death or destruction, right? I'm gonna die alone. I'm gonna die poor and alone. <laughs> no one's gonna find me for 43 days. Right? That's that's what the brain does. So you might notice how the brain does this, that something happens. My brain goes from I'm not getting something accomplished to I'll never get anything accomplished. I'm all the way at the end of the year with a long to-do list and nothing's crossed off. The mind makes stories. That's what it does. That's its job. It fills in the gaps. It might start with something that's really true, but the places it goes are usually way off into the future or even way back into the past. Either place, if you're not fully in the present, it's usually full of misery. So when that critical mind or voice takes over and leads you down that garden path or the road paved to hell or whatever, (laughs) whatever place that it's taking you that is not the present moment, you might notice that you spiral into lots of thoughts and emotions, right? That you can follow that for a very long time. And that usually there's a whole lot of sadness, worry, anxiety that goes along with this, right? The thoughts go from one to the next, and there are emotions tied into that. What I've mentioned in the previous episodes is that these circumstances, these things that happen in our lives, they lead to the thoughts that we have. So if something really does happen, then we have these thoughts. Those thoughts lead to our emotions, And our emotions lead to our actions, and those actions lead to results. This is based on uh, Brooke Castillo's work. So the summary is that if you think things that are harsh or critical, then you feel bad. And miraculously, the opposite can be true. You can think things that are kind and loving, and then you might notice You feel more kind and loving. And that right there is the special sauce. It's all about attention. So what we know about attention is that it's like a spotlight. We can direct it to different places in our lives. If you start to watch this spotlight, if you start to watch how attention works, you might even notice that when multiple things are going on, Really, we might even just choose to only pay attention to one of them. And we can switch our attention, right? Like, I, I just can't deal with that work crisis right now. I've got a family crisis I'm dealing with. Or or vice versa. I can't deal with this family crisis, so I'm going to deal with this work crisis, right? We can switch back and forth. So let's break this down into pieces for you. First, the first step when your mind is critical and is taking over The first step is just that part of paying attention, being present, being able to notice what is happening, what's happening very specifically with your thoughts, but also with your emotions and your body. Noticing the thoughts, as we've talked about in previous episodes, is where we really need to begin. If you don't know what's happening in your thoughts, you won't be able to make a change, which we'll talk about later in this sequence, right? So this is where attention or awareness is so important. And the idea is to bring as much compassionate attention, kindness, and compassionate awareness as possible. And what that means is not beating yourself up that the very practiced critical voice is going to try to beat you up, is going to try to say um, why this is a problem, right? But as you're watching and looking at those things internally, the mindfulness piece is looking at what's happening without judgment, present moment awareness without judgment. Once you see what's going on, the next step is to back up and give yourself a little bit of space. If you can get just one millimeter of distance, you might be able to notice that the voice is saying you, right? So in my example, you are so stupid, right? Now, this might feel a little crazy making at first to try to do this. But in the same way, as we've talked about previously... It's not a common occurrence to go around talking about the voice that's in our heads (laughs) or that it isn't you, that it doesn't belong to you. So this second step is really to notice that the voice isn't you. And even though, you know, this is normal, take my reassurance, this is normal. It's the ego or it's old voices from the past. So you can just take that step back and notice that you are able to watch and listen to that voice without believing it. Once you have that space to see the thoughts, the third step is the possibility of actually not believing it, right? So, or actually, <laughs> more accurately, of believing something else. Byron Katie uses something called the work, where the first question is to just basically sit what she calls an inquiry, right? To be able to sit with. Um, the thoughts that you're asking that you have and ask the question is it true right to just begin to question it so you notice you have the thought you're able to watch the thought and now you're able to begin to question the thought is it true that i'm stupid Two master's degree and a phd later (laughs) you know like huh well how do you define smart how do you find define stupid right So that allows you a little bit more distance. It offers you even more. Just that simple question can begin to provide some more space. Finally, you can take the thought that you have, you noticed, and you can change it out for a different thought. Um, Some people refer to this as a better feeling thought. And again, I mentioned the model I like from Brooke Cristillo. She has a self-coaching model. In her model, you label the circumstance. What are the facts that are actually happening? What are the thoughts about it? What are the emotions? What are the actions you're taking? And what are your results? Then you have this opportunity to actually go in there to the thought and change it. And when we change the thoughts, this is when we start to change the emotions then and the actions that we're taking and the results that we're having. So if I'm thinking this is miserable about the pandemic, it can feel really heavy in my body, right? That's the awareness. That's the noticing. If I change it to something that is still believable, right? Something that is believable, but feels better in my body, then my emotions change, my actions change. So going back to the thought, this is miserable, If I change it to, I'm learning how to live in a global pandemic, right? It's not going to the complete opposite side of, I love the global pandemic. This is beautiful. It's something that's believable, but still feels lighter in my body. I feel like there's hope. I feel like there's possibility. So there's physical differences, physical sensations in my body that are different, but also a different emotion that's there. So I'm not going all the way to something that's not believable. I'm not telling myself, you know, if you remember back from Saturday Night Live, Stuart Smalley, if you're in that age range that I am, right? I'm, I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. And Gosh darn it, people like me, right? I think that was what it was. Something that's believable still has to be the case. So when you see that there is this possibility, this hope to actually changing your mind or changing your thinking, it's a huge game changer. And I know when I first figured out, oh, you can actually not just watch the thoughts, but change the thoughts. I had a whole new world of possibility open up. Literally, it will start to change not only what you are thinking, but will also change how you're feeling and what happens in your life. So those are just some helpful steps for what to do when you have a critical mind attack, when your critical mind takes over. You turn your attention, you watch the thoughts, and you begin to get really familiar with them. Then you become the watcher, getting space from that thought so that you aren't believing it and changing that thought to a better feeling thought. All right, friends, thanks for listening today, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Whole Body Upgrade. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, you can visit me on Facebook or Instagram or on my website, CenteredYou—that's centeredyou.com. See you on the next episode of Whole Body Upgrade.